0: Hi, everyone. David Harris here with you with a special news bonus. The death of Brianna Taylor and the investigation of the three Louisville police officers. Most of you probably know the name Brianna Taylor by now. She was, of course, the emergency room technician, a young woman in her 20s who died in her own home, in her own bed, back in the spring when three Louisville police officers raided that apartment under a no-knock warrant, and she died when they fired into that apartment, killing her. Her name might not be very well known because it was really a Louisville story only until the death of George Floyd by murder in Minneapolis at the end of May. And since that time, her name and George Floyd's name and the names of others have become synonymous with protests in cities and towns across the United States demanding changes in policing everywhere. Now, Breonna Taylor did not have to die did not have to die should not be dead now her death has been followed by a 4 month investigation led not by local prosecutors but by the Kentucky attorney general man named Daniel Cameron and that investigation involving a grand jury has now concluded on September 23rd, Mr. Cameron announced that the grand jury had handed down charges against one of the three officers. And this set of charges was for reckless endangerment. That officer, who incidentally has already been fired, was charged for shooting into a neighboring apartment, not for killing Brianna Taylor. What about the other two officers? No charges Filed against them at all. And this has really stuck in the throats of a lot of people who were watching this case and demanding change in policing, both inside Louisville and elsewhere. They want to know why. Why no charges? Where's the justice? And we have also now had the release of recordings from the grand jury proceedings. Themselves. These came out on October 2nd. So, what happened here? What was going on? What can we say about this? I think now is the time to push into this and to explain uh, and cut through some of the pernicious lies that have been told about this uh, during the investigation, explain about the charges and what happened more generally. So let's start there. Um, We had a raid with a no-knock warrant on Brianna Taylor's apartment. We know she was in that apartment. It's her own home. We know she was in bed when she was killed with police bullets. We know that the objective of that Warrant was a fellow named Jamarcus Glover, somebody that Miss Taylor had been romantically involved with, done a little dating with earlier, no longer connected with him. In fact, she had a new person in her life, a man named Kenneth Walker, who was there that night in that very same apartment and who figures in uh, what happened uh, that evening. So, what did happen? Well, we know from the things that we have learned so far that the police came to that apartment, they conducted that raid, and Mr. Walker and Miss Taylor inside the apartment thought that their apartment was being invaded. They thought that somebody was breaking the door down, which was true. It was the police, but they did not know it, and they were terrified. Mr. Walker shot to protect his loved one, Ms. Taylor, and himself, as he is entitled to do under Kentucky law. And the police, not knowing who was shooting at them or why, thinking maybe it was Mr. Glover, they shot back and killed Miss Taylor. So, what can we say about the charges? Let's go there first. It is possible it is possible to make a cold-calculating legal argument for not indicting these officers for the murder of Brianna Taylor. It is a defensible, solid legal argument. Now, I know probably a lot of people out here don't want to hear that, but it's true, and I'll lay it out for you. The way this looks, if you assume that Kenneth Walker... Miss Taylor's boyfriend who was in that house if he in that apartment if he shot first and he says he did to defend himself and the police receive that fire they have the right under Kentucky law to shoot to defend themselves so self-defense law is quite robust in Kentucky. So, Mr. Walker, not knowing that they were police, he'd have the right to shoot to defend himself. And the police, not knowing who was shooting at them or why, would have the right to defend themselves. And because of that, it would be very difficult to convict these police officers for a homicide crime, murder, manslaughter, or anything else in Kentucky, they'd have a good case for self-defense and would probably be acquitted. That's just reality under the self-defense regime in Kentucky. And because of that, most prosecutors who are also facing the daunting prospect of prosecuting police officers in this case, would not want to bring and would not bring murder charges against those police officers. They just wouldn't. Now, I said that this is the legal case. It is not satisfying to our sense of justice or morality. Those two things happen to be different in this case, as they sometimes are. And that's not very satisfying. I know that. But I just want to lay this out to explain that there are reasons you wouldn't bring murder charges in this case. But that's honestly, I don't think that's the biggest problem here. I mean, it's certainly a big problem. Don't get me wrong. But you know what I think is worse? Is this sense... Uh, put forth by the attorney general and others in Kentucky that the death of Breonna Taylor was just some kind of senseless, blameless tragedy, that it was just a, a terrible thing that just kind of befell her, and it's just awful, but nobody's really to blame. That offends me deeply, not as much as her death, don't get me wrong, but this idea that she just dies like it's some kind of accident, like an airplane crash. That is so incredibly wrong. That is so wrong. And shame on us if we accept it. Let's clear up a few things here, because what we actually have is a set of cascading catastrophic system failures at every level of the justice system. And believe you me, the grand jury indictment doesn't clear that up. It is just another opaque piece of the puzzle. So let's take some of these problems one at a time. First, this is a no-knock warrant. Now, I think a lot of people have heard that, and they've probably heard the opposite, too. Now, oh, no, 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 it wasn't actually a no-knock warrant. Well, here's the first point. It says it's a no-knock warrant right on the warrant. Okay, So, there's no question about what it was. Now, what does that mean? When police want to get into somebody's house, they have to go to a judge and they have to get A warrant. They cannot go into a home without a warrant unless there are exigent circumstances, meaning some kind of immediate emergency. So, in a situation like wanting to get into Breonna Taylor's home to go after Glover, they have to have a warrant. So, they go get a warrant, they have to show probable cause that crime has been committed, and that there is either a person who has committed that crime or evidence or proceeds of that crime on the premises. And when they get a warrant, they have to knock and announce when they get there, okay? You don't get a warrant and then just get to break down the door. I don't care what you saw on that show, Cops, right? That's not how it works. You have to come to the door and knock loudly and repeatedly and announce yourself. Police, we've got a warrant. Let us in. What are the reasons for this? This goes way back into the common law in ye olde England when the peasants are living in thatched huts and it's, you know, all that stuff. You have to do this to allow the person who lives in the home to come down and let the police in so that their lives are not put at risk and their property is not destroyed, even if that property is only a door. That's the purpose of that. So if you want a no-knock warrant, you have to show something extra. You have to show that knocking would put police in danger or would put the evidence in danger of being destroyed. And you have to do so particularly. You you can't just say, in all cases like this, that's a danger. No, it has to be particular to this person, this house, this situation. Particularized evidence must be presented to the judge that justifies getting around the usual knock and announce requirement. So, what do we have here? This is a no-knock warrant application, and the judge approves it as a no knock application. Now, what about those particularities, those, those particular circumstances that make this uh, particularly dangerous? Uh, you, you know, if you knock, we're going to get shot, that sort of thing. Here, that information in the warrant, it is taken, cut and pasted, taken from another one of the warrants filed in this case concerning Mr Glover. There were in all 5 warrants involving looking for Mr Glover and there is nothing particular in this particular warrant about Miss Taylor, about her apartment, about anything involving her or her place, right? It's literally cut and pasted from the other warrants that just involved Mr Glover. That is not enough. That is not particularizing the warrant for its particular use. This is not allowed. Failure. Now, Second point, police say they shifted once they got into the investigation uh, because they were told that actually uh, Miss Taylor was a, quote, soft target, that she didn't really present a danger. So they were told verbally, that is, they were told don't treat this as a no knock warrant. Um, instead, do it as if you have to knock and announce. All right? So uh, you decide whether you think it's likely they would do this. I'll leave that to you. But if suddenly this is a soft target, why are you doing a raid in the middle of the night? Why not just go to her door, uh, stand outside with a megaphone and surround the exits and say, uh, police, come out with your hands up there's no real danger in doing that if it's a soft target and there's no danger, why not? But they didn't treat it that way. Point number three, the police say, well, we followed through on that. We did knock despite having a no-knock warrant. We knocked and knocked announced so that whoever was in that apartment would know who we were, they would know we were police, and everybody could come out safe by letting us in. Now, there's a problem with this. All the lawyers and the folks involved in Miss Taylor's family who have done any work investigating the case, and there have been some investigations from the Taylor family, and their representatives. They have talked to 11 people. They say no one has said they heard the police announcing. And remember, this is an apartment building. There are other people around. Media organizations, they did their own canvassing. And they say they talked to 12 people, and nobody says they heard the police. Mr. Walker, who is with Brianna Taylor in that apartment, he didn't hear them saying police open up he does say he heard a lot of pounding on the door we'll come to that in a minute but he doesn't hear that at all we know that the grand jury though heard that one witness of all those people interviewed one witness says yes he heard the police say police that they he heard them announce but we have also learned stay with me here we have also learned that that particular witness That witness was interviewed not once, but twice, but three times on this particular point. The first time, he denied he heard anything. The second time, he denied he heard anything. And the third time only. Yeah, now I remember. I heard them say police. Yeah. Next point, Kenneth Walker, who's in that apartment. As I said a minute ago, he says he heard 30 or 40 seconds of hard pounding on the door, but he did not hear anybody say police open up or we have a warrant or anything like that. But that heavy pounding business without the announcement of authority, that actually makes it worse. That actually makes things more dangerous. Who wouldn't be scared hearing heavy pounding or a ram hitting the door? which the police eventually did. They pushed the door in with a battering ram, but no announcement of police authority. That makes things infinitely more scary and therefore more dangerous, and therefore we can sort of understand about him shooting out to protect himself and Miss Taylor. Next point. Mr. Walker himself. Not a criminal. Not a a drug dealer no just no despite the various leaks and implications along the way that he was some kind of criminal and therefore uh you know it it was sort of his fault no he was never implicated in any crime or drug dealing and and by the way no drugs found in brianna taylor's home miss taylor was never implicated in drug dealing either there were some police statements that glover The drug dealer sought in all of this mess that he had had a package delivered to Miss Taylor's apartment. And police say that the postal inspector told them that the package was, quote, suspicious. Now, postal inspector, what's that? Actually, the post office has its own police force, and the police officers are called postal inspectors. The post office needs a criminal justice force, a police force, because people do criminal things with the mail. You know they do. Uh, And so uh, the police say that they got a statement from a postal inspector saying that was a suspicious package. Well, the postal inspector has now been contacted and he says, I have absolutely no record of having any suspicion about that package and certainly no record of having told the police that next the judge now i said a few minutes ago that to get a warrant you have to go to a judge you can't just go into somebody's home unless there is a blazing emergency you you want to go into somebody's home to search for a person or for evidence or proceeds of a crime you need a warrant And there was a warrant in this case, as I've said, as everybody talks about, and that went to a judge and the judge did sign off on it, right? So um, what kind of care was taken with that? Did she just kind of sign off real quick? Did she read it at all? Well, what do we know? We do know that that provision about particular dangers that would uh, account for or justify a no-knock warrant that that was just cut and paste garbage and it had nothing to do with Brianna Taylor. It had nothing to do with Brianna Taylor's house, all right? So if it contained nothing about that, the judge should not have granted that particular warrant for that particular place. Period. The end. Another failure. Now, what else? There's been a strong implication that somehow this was Mr. Walker's fault. Mr. Walker, the current, at the time of this incident, the current romantic partner of Miss Taylor, who was in the apartment with her, that this was his fault because he fired first. And the Attorney General of Kentucky, Mr. Cameron, Uh, heavily implied at least, that he knew that the people pounding on Miss Taylor's door were police. Really? Does this make sense? Is it? Well, this man, Mr. Walker, he's not a criminal. He's not into drugs. There are no drugs in the house, no drugs on him. He, in fact has a license to carry that particular weapon that he used that night. You, you, you think about criminals. Are they eager to go out and get concealed carry licenses? Right. Um, what else? We know that after this thing got rolling and things were going terribly wrong, who called 911? It was Mr. Walker. Now, if prosecutors thought that Walker was at fault... In shooting at the police, remember what he did. He shot at the police when he says he had no idea that they were police. He thought they were invading Breonna Taylor's home. Just people, just criminals. But if prosecutors thought that he was guilty of shooting at police, do you think they would have hesitated for 10 seconds to charge him? Not on your life. He was arrested that night, but very soon after prosecutors released him and no charges were filed. That tells you everything you need to know. Let's pause here for a second. We're talking about Brianna Taylor, her death, and the investigation of that death. We'll be right back. Everyone wants to keep their home and family safe. Whether it's from a break-in, a fire, flooding, or a medical emergency, Simply Safe Home Security delivers award-winning 24/7 protection. With Simply Safe, you don't just get cameras and sensors, you get the best professional monitors in the business. They've got your back day and night, ready to send police, fire, EMTs, whatever you need when you need them most, straight to your door. Now, when my family had the job of selling our family home after it was empty, we knew we needed a security system we could count on. My brother, the electrician, the guy who's the most tech-savvy of all of us, he recommended we go with Simply Safe, and boy, am I glad we did. It was easy, it was affordable, and it was good. It performed and we were safe. Simply Safe protects every inch of your home. You can set it up yourself in just 30 minutes. It's really easy. Then Simply Safe's professionals take over monitoring your home 24/7 and ready to send help the moment they get an alarm. Plus with Simply Safe there's no long-term contract. There are no hidden fees and no installation costs. Right now, my listeners, get a free home security camera when you purchase a Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com/injustice. You also get a 60-day risk-free trial, so there's nothing to lose. Visit simplysafe.com/injustice for your free security camera today. That's safe. S-I-M-P-L-I S-A-F-E. That's simplysafecom slash injustice. Hi, everyone. David Harris here with you for Criminal Injustice with a special news bonus on the death, of Brianna Taylor, and the investigation of the Louisville police who killed her. Now, the case has now gone to a grand jury, as we know, and the grand jury has returned just charges against a single officer, and not for murder, but reckless endangerment. And upon releasing those charges on September 23rd, Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron said, well, this is what the grand jury decided. This is what they thought was justified. And uh, I'm confident now that we can go forward and this is justice for Breonna Taylor and her family. And that didn't satisfy many people in the moment. Now, on October 2nd, the Attorney General released under a court order recordings of, of the entire grand jury proceeding because there were demands from the public and elsewhere and even from one of the grand jurors that the case that was made in the grand jury room be made public, that the public actually had a right to know what was done in there. So what did we learn and what can we know from the grand jury situation? well we did learn some new facts right we learned number one that the body camera of one of the officers he says was turned on he turned it on in the car before all this happened, and working fine and it was turned on when he went in for the raid but it just didn't work it just didn't work during the incident he doesn't know why Right. Uh right. I've talked about body cameras here on Criminal Injustice before, all the way back to our very first episode. We talked about body cameras. And the one thing you got to know about body cameras is that they have to be turned on for something like this. And if not, and if there's no explanation, that's a problem. That is at the very least something that involves contemplated discipline for that officer, because there just is no explanation for that. What else did we learn? We learned that this was not done by a, a SWAT team, that these three officers, they weren't trained SWAT officers, they're just clothes police officers, and that there was a SWAT team standing by in the area and that they were told to stand down, that these officers would handle it. Now, there are some important consequences to that. Number one, you don't have the highest trained professionals there to execute this warrant and maybe they would have done it much differently. But number two, when there's going to be a SWAT raid, the rules are certainly in Louisville and many other places too, there has to be an ambulance standing by nearby in case there are casualties. In fact, there was an ambulance standing by with that SWAT team but they were told to stand down and they were not needed an hour before any of this happened. So if this had been carried out by a SWAT team, there would have been medical professionals available very, very quickly. As it was, Brianna Taylor was injured and had no medical help for at least 20 minutes. But here's the bigger takeaway, I think, from the release of the grand jury proceedings, the grand jury recordings. This case worked in the grand jury just like every other case in the grand jury. And that's unsatisfactory. Let me explain. Grand juries are an artifact of a time past. Grand juries, despite that word jury... Don't function like any regular jury you've ever thought about or heard of or seen on television. The, the job of the grand jury uh, is to figure out whether there is enough evidence to bring charges. They don't have to decide beyond a reasonable doubt. They just decide, is there a probable cause to bring an indictment? And then they vote. And what they vote on is the indictment if they approve it right? It is usually not 12 people, but somewhat more. It depends on the jurisdiction. Not all states use grand juries. It is not guaranteed in a Bill of Rights provision that has been applied to the states, so states don't have to use grand juries, but many still do for their most serious felonies, and Kentucky is one. But here's the thing. The grand jury belongs in all but name and legal title it belongs to is controlled by the prosecutor. There are no defense attorneys in the grand jury. There is no obligation on the part of the prosecutor to present defense evidence. All there is is an obligation to present any evidence that the prosecutor wants through any witnesses that the prosecutor cares to bring in, and to present evidence to back up any charges the prosecutor cares to try to bring. The prosecutor controls everything. Now, the grand jurors can certainly ask questions, and we learned in the release of the recordings that these grand jurors did ask some questions and some good ones. But it is the prosecutor's party. The old saying about the grand jury is that any prosecutor worth his or her salt can get a grand jury to indict a ham sandwich. And it's true. It's true. More than 99% of the time, the grand jury goes along with exactly what the prosecutor wants them to do. The prosecutor drafts the indictment, gives it to the grand jury, has presented the evidence that he or she wants in front of the grand jury to back up that indictment and nothing more or less. So, you see, the fact that the charges came from the grand jury doesn't really tell you anything much at all, right? So, when Attorney General Cameron says, well, you know, the grand jury said this, they didn't bring any charges against the two other officers. They didn't bring any homicide charges at all, in fact, because this is what they thought was just. All he's doing is papering over his own judgments with the actions of a grand jury that he controlled and anybody who tells you different you should check the silverware make sure it's still there somebody's trying to con you now in the federal system there are more controls over what the prosecutor does with a grand jury i'd never deny that but the way grand juries work in general it's the prosecutor's ball game and that's the only team on the field it's one way only. So, where do we go with this? Like I said, the idea that this is some kind of tragic accident is just garbage. It's not. Too many things went wrong here that led directly to Miss Taylor's death. I happen to think there are far too many raids in the middle of the night, whether by SWAT teams or otherwise, in which people get hurt, sometimes killed, property destroyed, that this has become a very common practice in even the most routine cases, especially drug cases. And this is the consequence. And then when you have judges not paying attention closely to warrants, when you have police departments not paying real attention to what they're doing, bringing in people who really had minimal involvement in the case and not the SWAT-level training they need to do this, when they don't follow the rules, things fail. That is not an accident that is a system failure, a multi-level system failure, and that is what happened to Brianna Taylor. If the agencies and institutions of Louisville don't correct that, Brianna Taylor's life will have gone away in vain. She will have died for nothing. So I am... I am disturbed at a deep, deep level by her death. She shouldn't have died. But it's not the lack of murder charges that really sets me off. It's this idea that she, she you know, she died like in an accident. No, no, and no. That's it. That's your special bonus episode here on Criminal Injustice, the Death of Brianna Taylor, and the Investigation into the Louisville Police. You can always hear what we do here on Criminal Injustice to enlighten you about the full dynamics of the system. You can hear all our interviews and other features by going to our website. That's criminalinjusticepodcast.com. You can hear it all there. If you like what you hear on Criminal Injustice, you can help support us. We are member-supported, and you can go to patreon.com criminalinjustice to support we really appreciate those of you who are doing that i'm david harris and i'll be back with you next time